The hosts are myself, Darcy Allred, and Chadi Parla. We are interested in talking about adulthood obstacles along the lines of addiction, mental health issues, and other forces of struggle that plague our lives, especially from perspectives in the arts. We talked to British DJ and podcaster John Carroll about these issues and how creative minds, including his own, cope with these problems. John, I met, kind of met, E-met, I guess, over the summer. He is a DJ over in England who also streams in for BFF.FM's radio station in San Francisco. So super cool that you like did that much research to like find community radio station across the world. I really enjoy sharing new music with people. The podcast, which I co-host, The Hangout, um, we just kind of take apart pop culture, really just try and find the meanings inside pop culture. You chose the word grounded, which I love, and I wanted to know if you could just talk to us a little bit about what that word means to you and how it fits into your life right now. It's quite complex, actually, Why? because I just I just thought it that it refers to me where I am right now, I feel, and, and I know it's it's kind of like an overused word, feel very grounded at the moment. Um, I've had a really chaotic couple of years. I'd split up with my wife and had to move out, had to adjust living by myself. But I also had like a really chaotic like, childhood. So I've always wanted just to feel that I am just on the level. And that is exactly where I'm at right now. I've done a lot of kind of work on myself. I just I just feel grounded and this feels really good. <laughs> We've talked about a lot of um, culture that's influenced by drugs. That's something that I've always kind of dabbled in. I just realised that that was one thing that I had to just get out of my life. It was something that was constantly um, stopping me from feeling grounded. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. I, yeah, we, we mentioned... Um, that that's something that's very important to us and, and dear to our hearts right now, thinking about uh, substance abuse and mental health. Uh, I know I personally have struggled on and off uh, through periods of sobriety and then trying to dabble again um, and not really finding that grounded place um, just yet. And every time I, I do find something that works, it feels really good to find that space again. Um, yeah. Uh, something that came to mind, just curious, uh, I know in America, when children are being punished, they're referred to as being grounded. Is that something that you use as a, as a term over there as well? I'm nearly 40 now. I think that, like, my generation, it felt like when you know, my friends were growing up that we didn't really have many boundaries. I don't know. Yeah. Like, certainly now, no, it, like, some of my brothers and sisters have kids you know, they're grounded or they're not allowed to play with their iPad for a week or, you know, they're not allowed to do this, not allowed to do that. It's funny, funny I guess, because, you know, just thinking of the ter that term and how it's used, the word grounded. So I just couldn't help but go back to yeah. that place as a child. Right. And even though that's that's a different use of the term, I think it reflects in a sense when you have all these privileges taken away from you, you have to re you have to sit with yourself. Right. Yeah. Uh, in a sense, that's kind of what we have to do when we get older, right? To 
find that grounding to be rooted and find balance is we have to sort of eliminate certain things to get closer to ourselves. I think. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's. Um, I think I, th- I I think it's like a really. I think it's something we can forget, especially when we're just all connected and we're all plugged into something. You can kind of get caught up in the kind of the fantasy world that you can create so i think actually taking a step back from that and thinking actually everything around me is happening and i need to find my place in that not you know just giving all my energy to the internet and i think the difference of perception between being a kid and and an adult using the word grounded i think they both mean disciplined in yeah. very different sorts of like control, like usually you're grounded because that's a control measure, like limitation by your parents. But as an adult, ground a grounded adult, usually you're just like, oh, that person is self-possessed. You know, they're in complete control of everything they're doing. It's interesting how you just, the perception turns uh, in adulthood. Like what are sort of your practices and uh, stuff that that keeps you grounded? It's it's quite mundane things, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's quite it feels like quite simple things, but for me it feels like I'm really achieving something. So just just you know getting up and going to work and eating properly and not staying up too late and not you know going out drinking on a Tuesday night, not. Um, you know, just kind of nourishing myself, trying to be like really productive in my spare time um, and feeling like I'm, you know, kind of creating, um, whether it be my show on BFF or um, doing the research for my podcast, recording my podcast, editing my podcast, and just feeling like I'm constantly kind of working to something. Some of our questions are geared towards British culture and uh the sorts of perceptions or the way um, people confront issues with mental health. I, like, I've, I've struggled with my mental health a lot. I, like, yeah. I'll be completely honest about that. Um, I've had... You're in really good company. <laughs> yeah, cool. I had, like, problems of anxiety and depression from, like, my late teens. Um, and they got really bad. Um, in my early 20s, I became so ill that I had to go onto a psych ward. Medication, counselling, things kind of eased off. Um, and then 2016, which is like my disaster year, um, I became really ill again. And the same thing happened. I had to go onto a psych ward. The bit I really noticed the difference, because over here, obviously, mm-hmm. we've got the NHS, which is, you know, available to everyone we don't have we we do pay for it because we are taxed and our tax does go to it um but at the at at the same time over the last like 10 years we've had um a gut we've had like the top like the conservatives or the tories or um so we've had we've had a right a right leaning um government decide um that they want to cut all, all national services. They want to cut back because we're spending too much. And unfortunately, yeah. one of the biggest things that's been cut back is um, mental health. Mm-hmm. It is really, really difficult to access anything 
um, with mental health, like the waiting lists are years long. They, they prescribe you medication, hopefully it works. So is there a therapeutic approach as well, or is, is it kind of like over here where for the most part, yeah, they are trying to uh, push the medication? Yeah, it's, it's medication first, definitely. I, I was told that I would have to wait a really long time um, for like any kind of therapy. Since 2016, I still haven't seen anyone, um, which was like a really different experience to like my early 20s. Because when I came out of hospital in my early 20s, um, I actually had something that they call um, a community psychiatric nurse. So it's basically somebody that works for social services, part of like adult mental health. Um, and there's this, this, this really nice guy called William would just come and see me like once every couple of weeks, come over to my house, have a cup of tea, have a chat, kind of just talk about what's going on. And if I wasn't feeling great, he'd be able to schedule me an appointment with a psychiatrist. And that all went really well. But that does not exist at all now. I'm sorry to hear that. I feel for you. Um... It's, yeah, well, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm really lucky that the, that, that the medication that I'm on now really really works for me you know, but I have friends who have just had years and years of bad mental health tried loads of different medication a lot of a lot of my friends self-medicate and it's yeah it is a really kind of messy situation I think it says something like that gives like a really good scope of like how your government views you know people with mental health issues and here like I mean it sucks obviously that they've cut a lot of funding for mental health care here I feel like we really like criminalize people with mental health issues here like I was hospitalized myself for a mental health related uh, situation my dad was trying to um, get the the hospital to take me in and they he had to spend an hour convincing them to admit me because they said they usually they have to take a court order so wow. that means yeah like I would have to be like a menace to society you know like I would have to it's you know there's this perception that if you're mentally ill there's something bad about you you know yeah. and it's not like an illness in my perception the mental health and you you mentioned that a lot of your friends self-medicate. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like I see that a lot. And I think I did that for a long time. So that when I finally um, started to address certain substance abuse issues, um, the anxiety then showed up. Whereas I, I had it a bit as a kid and I was definitely highly sensitive. Um, and But I started drinking and uh, using substances at a young age. So uh, it was kind of masked by the the alcohol abuse. Um, so when I finally started experimenting with sobriety, it was when the anxiety really started to come up. I, I, I see the link between the two, right? You know, some people think that they um, drink or use to to calm uh, their mental health issues, whether it's anxiety um, or depression. and uh, in fact, then the drug use or the alcohol use exasperates that, right? Um, so I, I wonder if you have a, any uh, perspective on that and how you see that unfold around you. 
but certainly when I was growing up, like I think I started drinking when I was like 14, 15. We were fr- we had a couple of friends that were old enough to go and buy booze. We we had a few like places like in the town where we grew up where we could kind of hide away and drink and just hang out for the night and then you know be hung over the next day and then do it all over again. So we spend like Friday, Saturday night just partying really. And I think like the the first big thing that changed was when people started smoking pot. To begin with, it was really exciting. Like you know, we smoke a couple of J's like here and there, and it'd be really cool. And then people would start finding about like smoking it with bongs. And then all it would be is like a whole bunch of people in a room smoking bongs. And that was it. Like all the kind of fun stuff that we used to do just disappeared. It wasn't until, and then kind of my late teens. So once I was like 18, 19, became like doing, um, doing ecstasy or MDMA. Um, but the same thing happened. It started off fun, and then it, and then everyone would be in this competition to say how many pills they took. Yeah. And it was just like, this isn't fun. Like, what are we doing? I like the the fun side of it, but I don't like, you know, just getting absolutely mashed. That's when it starts to be like self-medicating. That's when it starts to be you're trying to escape something. I just have an addictive sort of personality, so it's not necessarily just alcohol or smoking or what have food is really my biggest thing because you can't go cold turkey off of food no, so no. always have like a relapse with but I mean of course people kind of laugh at that but it's like the same mentality of like feeling like you have to have this one thing you have to get your fix on something because you can't stand being conscious without a sort of crutch to, yeah. to to keep you going and especially things like weed like people don't some people say oh it's impossible to get addicted to weed the most dangerous things to get addicted to are seemingly harmless it's really like just uh what it sets off um in terms of your dependency and like what you would do or you won't do whenever you're Know, hooked you're under the spell of something like weed or you know fill in the blank and just like you said this uh word like escape the difference like whenever it's a good time versus whenever it's a bad time i've had i've made so many great friends tripping balls you know yeah. <laughs> like those things alcohol drugs whatever you know i wanted to be present yeah. i didn't want to escape anything I yeah. wanted to use those things as a means to become a better state of myself in whatever moment I was with, with other people. And whenever you cross a line of it being self-destructive, it's whenever you don't want to be yourself. Like you don't want to be thing, you don't want to have control. You just kind of want to go into a numbness or just rely on it, the drug or whatever to, to take over who you are instead of you just being yourself. Yeah, and I think it's about like putting a barrier between you and the rest of the world as well, whether that be a barrier of like, you know, mentally or, you know, or or just being so you you don't really, you've got an excuse to not be in the world. It's like, I'm too sane to do that. I'm not going to do it, you know? At a certain point, it's like I exist regardless of, you know, anything that helps me nourish me, um, even though a lost person or like 
you know, abusing your privilege with drinking, which is me. Like I haven't drank in probably like almost a year. And I, and it wasn't like entirely intentional, you know, like a didactic sort of step, you know, even though I really respect AA and all of that, every time I tried to cleanse, it just didn't work for me. So like just having zero expectations was like, you know, you could spiral again. I'm okay. I feel like I do better day by day rather than like never do this again. Uh, It's really hard to be in the arts, especially in music, to be in these groups of people who are still partying, you know, and for them to not like make you feel like self-conscious about it you know like to be yeah i like to get like secondhand drunk with people i don't want them to know that i'm not <laughs> that i'm not <laughs> drinking that i just kind of blend in and i just secretly don't drink whenever they're drinking i think i think it's difficult yeah it's difficult being really into music because yeah. as i grew up and i discovered you know i found out about lsd because i found you know i was listening to the beatles and Jimi hendrix um, yeah. You know, uh, I found out about pop because I was in Dylan. Like, I found out all these things, and all these kind of musicians that I knew about, they were all doing drugs, and so it seemed quite an exciting, um, quite an exciting prospect. But as I've got older, a lot of people, or or as I've got into music more, then you start reading about the casualties, then you start realizing that people were doing drugs, but it was killing them. Yeah. And, and, and you start to get a perspective of just like, maybe if they didn't do that, then we could have had more out of them. Whatever you're, and I think you said this about, um, uh, about uh, Sean Ryder. Yeah. Who, who like in your heyday, in like your early 20s, it's kind of cute, you know, to to have this glamorized yeah. sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like, it really works. And I love your term, music, that's, like, meant to to kind of make you feel not sober. Uh, like, music that makes you get a bit cosmic, I think is the term <laughs> that you use. Uh, so I really like that because, like, it is a form of, like, escape of just altered states of mind uh, that is nice to go to. Um, you know, music has just such a strong power to take you to another place, to mm-hmm. put you in a different situation, to make you think about different things. Um, you know, it can it can bring images to your mind. And in a heightened state, that's even more that's even more kind of full on. Because your brain starts yeah. to like pick out different things in the music that you might have never have heard when you were when you were sober. Um, mm-hmm. And going back to like Sean Ryder, and we did touch on it in the podcast. Um, in the like late 80s, early 90s, there was like a really really huge explosion of dance music in this country. So um, it kind of been like bubbling under, but suddenly. Everybody was listening to house. Everyone was listening to techno, and they yeah. were having these like really big parties out in the countryside. Everybody doing just absolute like pure grade MDMA, a free what we call a free party. Manchester, um, which is just south of Liverpool, is a very is a is a very like working class city, and 
those drugs kind of infiltrated that music scene um, mm-hmm. and I think it kind of elevated it made these kind of working class people elevate into kind of higher states of consciousness mm-hmm. and that's kind of that's that when I say it get cosmic that's the kind of thing that I mean when it, when you're called, almost like rising above like everything around you there's been like cycles of that like right the way through from like the 50s of like bebop jazz like into you know like the folk movement into mm-hmm. you know the dead and everything that that spans and then jazz fusion and then you know the beginnings of dance music and i think like dance music's like grabs people because of the way that music can really you know if you're dancing for like six hours you are going to go to somewhere else in your mind yeah i think well like day in the life is but well, both the songs both the songs i would i would call like getting cosmic because mm-hmm. yeah. they they have they have that feel about them and like a day in the life just blows me away every time i listen to it because it is about it is about big things it is about you know the universe it is about um you know thinking things bigger than you need to but at the same point when you get to paul mccartney's um part of the song he just talks about getting out and getting ready for work and it's 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 like they can relate this cosmicness to just getting up and going to work and so there is a connection between those two things you can still find those interesting train of thoughts even though you're doing something that you do every day and i think i just think it's like a really heavy song when when you kind of pick it apart um and yeah it's just it is and, and it just builds and builds and builds like has a beautiful build to it and it's not like anything else of that time um and it's partly why i chose david crosby because he he actually visited london while they were recording um sergeant peppers and met the beatles at abbey rose and they gave him an acetate um of um a day in the life and he took it back to america with him and just blew everyone's minds because no one could imagine how you could make that type of music yeah david crosby at the moment is making some of the best music he has ever made i really really recommend his last record um which is called lighthouse got like a really young band and i think they're really kind of um spurring him on to kind of push himself which is pretty amazing for a guy who's like in his mid-70s um that in the end that had like a liver transplant that spent time in jail in the 80s i just think he's an amazing songwriter like he (laughs) some of my favorite ever songs including laughing again that's that's something that kind of it it like straddles that whole kind of cosmic mundane those things intertwining um because like he's saying that he thought you know that he found these things that he'd found truth um but all it ever was 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 a child laughing and it's just incredible and it's got Joni Mitchell in it as well who just elevates that song to amazing heights just kind of like a full circle like these musicians start kind of in a you know the rowdy like fun atmosphere of uh what inspires a lot of lyrics and different things and, and music of being a part of these altered 
states of mind, you know, of being around people who help them sort of think differently um, and through partying. And uh, then it just gets to this terrible place. Yeah. And I think that it comes back to it comes back to me choosing the word grounded, because I think that you can just you can become so rudderless by chasing a high or chasing a buzz or chasing feeling you know that you could take on the world but Mm -hmm. at the same point from my from my perspective i'm not i wouldn't want to kind of lecture anyone who makes someone feel that they should or that they're bad for not doing it that's that's not my that's not what i'm saying at all but if you allow if you just allow yourself to be grounded when i when i allow myself to be grounded and i allow myself to feel good that i got up and went to work and i came home and i had some nice dinner i worked on my show I worked on my podcast i watched a film i listened to music that i do feel stronger for doing that Trotty and i have talked about like the guilt you feel of feeling like oh am i damaged goods did i just yeah. like destroy did I destroy my best years by being shitty to myself? Um, and that takes a lot of, of recovery, just mentally, like making yeah. yourself feel like you can forgive the, the bad stuff and that your brain isn't completely wasted and you can move on to bigger and better things. Yeah, 100%. Like, it's, it's there, but it's, I think, just... You know, you, everyone has their own way of finding it, and and I hope that, and I like to think that more that people find it more than people don't find it, because everybody, you know, if we look at someone like Keith Richards, that guy's probably gonna live to lose a thousand, <laughs> and like he's probably partied he- harder than anyone on the planet. That saying about like some uh, people can smoke a pack a day or two packs a day until they're ninety-eight years old. And then some people who are super duper healthy, they drop dead by the time they're 40 or something like that. So there's just no like one method, one size fits all. Yeah. No, not at all. I was going to ask you if you had a a piece of advice for uh, any young artists out there who are struggling maybe with mental health and with substance abuse. But, you know, going back to that word grounded, I feel like you kind of um, answered that piece you know uh, I think we all, all have to take a different path but um, finding that path and getting closer to ourselves and in the mundane and I, I, I suppose or do you have something else you'd like to add to that yeah I think um, being honest is really important especially when we have an online presence you know we only show what we want other people to see it's very very easy to get caught up in that I I think I think honesty, especially in this current political state that we're all we're all experiencing, I think um, honesty is like a very rich currency. It's is very important to be honest and be transparent. If you're not having a good time, tell someone. You know, it's no. And if they judge you, that's on them. It's not on you. Mm-hmm. Being open and talking and having a dialogue about how you feel or what you want to do or with young people that's the thing that they need to to kind of hold on to the most because you can just lose yourself too easily 
Yeah, I would say that's probably the biggest problem I had whenever I was an undergrad, like 18 to still now kind of, it's still a problem. Um, just reaching out, knowing that you can talk to people. Like, it really feels good to quote Shrek. Um, it's better out than in, you know, like to just <laughs> cleanse yourself of just all of the congested thoughts or feelings you have because it's not a sign of weakness, you know, just to like share what's just honest, what's reality. Yeah. Um, really people care, not that you need to like be an emotional mess on everybody all the time and be, you know, having everybody be your personal psychiatrist. It to, to make it like mutual, you know, to just like have that support, like atmospheric support um, that I think our culture in America, I think, is getting a little bit better about like mental health awareness. I definitely think because you have the most like mentally ill world leader that's ever existed. <laughs> we're we're suddenly in this conversation about what is truth, what isn't truth, but truth yeah. is linked to honesty. If you're not being honest, then you're not being truthful. It's it's, it's as simple as that. Over here, there is there is a growing discussion about mental health and mm -hmm. people seem braver to say this is what I'm experiencing um, and and then you just realize a lot of people are experiencing problems with their mental health you know the next step is to think what why is that happening how have we got to this point like me and Lauren me and Lauren talk a lot we always go back to love and how you know, loving people, understanding people, caring for people, all of those things, they win because they're the most purest thing we can do. Do yourself a service and check out John's radio show at John Digital at BFF.FM, which airs every Thursday morning, Pacific Time, 530 to 730 AM. And subscribe to his and Lauren Maiden's podcast, The Hangout, through Apple or Spotify.